When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Good evening to you and welcome to Race Control with Mackay from Murph, brought to you by our good friends at Repco, celebrating 100 years. We are three hours away from orange in the traffic light system. How cool is that? Murph doesn't have his mask on at home, which is great. Hey, buddy, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Um, uh, sorry not to be there in person like last I do, week. I, I do which, miss uh, you already. Which worked well. Which worked well. Worked very well. So it was... It was a unique experience. <laughs> okay, we're going to give people the chance to win a unique bucket seat, by the way, the Repco bucket seat, right? So we want you to give us a call on 0800 150811 and tell us, what was your favourite motorsport moment of the week? What was your favourite motorsport moment of the week? It was a big week. But what was yours? It was a big week of motorsport. Well, what was mine? Wow. Uh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> hard to choose. Do you want to think to about it? Honest. I'll ask you later. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. that and bring on our guest for the hour because uh, we. Actually, wish... I know what it was. Well, what was it? It was uh, Anaya Bastanini winning his second MotoGP race of the season at uh, Circuit of the Americas. That was epic. Okay, well, we'll see if people agree with you and they want to win that Repco yeah. bucket seat. Ring us on 0800 Tell us, what was your favourite motorsport moment of the week? What was mine? Another Ferrari win in Formula One. Well, maybe the favourite motorsport moment of the week could have been that uh, Olympic gold medalist rower Hamish Bond got behind the seat of a classic rally car and had a crack at the classic rally in Otago Rally. Didn't finish, Hamish. What happened? Uh, turns out I'm either the gearboxes are a little bit old or I'm a little bit rough, but, or a combination of the both. Well, so, um, so, so Murph and I were talking to someone the other night and they said, <laughs> we are aware that Hamish Bond has never driven a manual before. True or false? No, that's false. I mean, I've driven them. I've never owned one. So that's probably the distinction. Um, yeah, I mean, I've driven them on and off, but I suppose... The thing is, I have to think about what I'm doing. And I think that's probably where I got to by the end of the week down there, is that I didn't, I, I was thinking far less than what I was at the start of the week. <laughs> uh, I generally find I was fine. Once I was in the stages in racing or, you know, or even in training, I was fine. But it's putt-putting around the, the service area where everyone's looking at you and the car's making, uh, sorry, the car's making a hell of a noise every time you touch the accelerator. And you think you're giving it about 5,000 revs, but you're only giving it two. And just getting off the mark, that was probably more stressful. Mate, uh, Murphy, Hamish, I just think it's awesome that you uh, were down there giving it a crack. Uh, Tell us how it came about, whose idea was it, and uh, how long did you have to think about it, 
And um, you know, are you regretting the decision? I'm, I'm picking. Sure, I'm picking you're not regretting the decision, but uh, tell us how it came about. Yeah, organisers down there for the last couple of years, or actually historically, have, have invited guests over, and historically they've mm. brought over famous rally drivers to drive the vintage um, cars, particularly the Ford Escort um, down there. And you know, with COVID, obviously they couldn't bring drivers in, so they started looking domestically. And I think last year they had Avalon. Uh, I've forgotten their last name. Biddle. Um, super, Biddle. Yes, Biddle. Yeah. Um, super. What is it? A super white motorbike uh, driver. She competed, and I think Aaron Slight might have done it as well. Um, That's right. So obviously they. Yeah. So obviously they have a motorsport background and a bit of a head start, and and used to going fast. And forwards, um, but they sort of went out on a limb this time, and um, you know reached out to me and said, "Look, yeah, you know, I'm I'm from Dunedin originally, um, and yeah, they just asked me if I'd, I'd be keen to have a crack." And I was like, "Well, yeah, that's not an opportunity that's going to come around twice." So I jumped at it, and you know they they really did undersell it. I suppose they sort of yeah they sold it as I'd turn up on the Friday night and get in the car the next day. Um, but it wasn't quite so simple, and, and you know, obviously there was a little bit of prep that went into it. So, so I don't know, just in your sort of your description there. So, are you sort of saying that they were desperate? Is that what you're saying? Ah, uh, yeah, maybe they were. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if Richie McCall turned them down or if I was first choice. Hey, hey so we we spoke we spoke to uh, Emma Gilmore uh, on the Thursday night before the rally, and she said on the Thursday uh, you were going to start, but you'd, you'd gone a little left on a corner too hard and a little bit too wide, and may have done a bit of damage. True or false? Yeah, that's true. I didn't get through the media day, um, but I was just just. Everyone was very supportive. It was, um, you know, if you're going to have an off, it's better to do it in the media day than in the middle of the rally, and, that, and that's what it turned out to, to be. You know, the, the boys got the the car fixed up pretty quick. I, oh, what did I do? I sort of bent a front arm. This is all gobbledygook to me, but they bent a front arm, <laughs> and I squashed an exhaust pipe, so they had to get a new one made up and fitted um, as I sort of ran a bit wide and went over a bit of a culvert and oh. over a big rock, but... Um, yeah, so I wasn't super popular, but they said it's all part of the territory and um, they got it fixed up and, and yeah, it was running fine by race day. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I have done so much more damage than that um, it's, I uh, in a rally car as well. Uh, it just, and I've, you know, I think rallying, I love it. It's one of the most, uh, my favourite forms of the sport. Hey, um, so just, just talk us through those, you know, those couple of days and, and how it felt and the learning. How, I mean, just the, the sponge on picking that you were, just picking things up, you know, and, and how the improvements were. Yeah, I mean, so essentially when I got on the start line, I'd been in a rally car three times um, previously. Mm-hmm. So limited experience. I, I did go through uh, Dale Perry's New Zealand Rally School in the Miramura yep. Forest there, um, which was obviously invaluable. Part, part of it was in the classroom well, shed, garage, um, doing some schoolwork and getting a, the fundamentals of how a rally operates, you know, getting that down pat, and also setting my licence, which I was not told that I needed initially, but um, setting a, a race licence. Um, so I got that out of the way, and then I did have a day with them in the forest, I guess, just getting some fundamentals down, um, 
I suppose, yeah, I think everyone likes to think they can drive a little bit um, and that's probably part of the parcel of our road tolls in, in New Zealand um, and I'm probably no different but it was, I think, yeah, trying to, I think, yeah, understand the fundamentals and, and really on that day the, mm. the, the big goal was working out what am I comfortable doing, you know, in terms of how hard can I push and what mm. does my skill level enable me to do? And they were great tutors, you know. There was a, there was two guys and Dale and another tutor, and and they sort of were good cop bad cop in some senses. I think Dale owned the car, so he was sort of bad cop, um, you know, keeping things <laughs> conservative, shifting up, don't rev me engine too hard, um, and yeah, you know, and they basically respond to what you're capable of. And yeah, you know, and then on the other foot, they're sort of giving you confidence in your abilities and and giving you know trying to encourage you to get the most out of the car. So um, it really was you know jumping at the deep end. And um, I think I got I think I feel as I had you know they had a degree of confidence in me, and I think that came from like you said the the sporting background. They've been able to pick up skills, listen, learn from your mistakes, and um, you know, maintain concentration, uh, I think, and, and just, yeah, really mm. try and process information, you know, all those little things that are, cro- you know, do cross over between the sports. And then ultimately it was about getting on the start line and, and trying to apply that. I was very lucky to have a, a very experienced co-driver in Grant Mara and mm. a lot of top domestic drivers and and overseas as well. And, yeah, he must. He's either got no brain or big balls or a combination of yeah. both. Because you know, to or get in a rally car with someone who has limited experience, and, and you know, he says he really, he it's a different challenge for him. You know, like there's a there's a challenge and pressure of being with a driver who expects to be at the pointy end, and then there's the challenge and expectation of nursing through a novice and basically, yeah, trying to think of all the little things and all the little bits of information that I would require having, you know, not, not just automatically then coming to hand. So big challenge for him. And, um, I think I really did. I improved. I found, um, particularly the opening day on, on Saturday, a lot of those roads are really wide open and fast. And I must admit, I'm not, I wasn't super comfortable going, you know, foot to floor, open road, gravel, um, and, and then I think that for me, you know, that was just about if things go wrong north of 150 k's an hour on gravel, I'm not going to have the skill to bring it back, and it's going to be a big mess. So most of the time on the straights, I think my top speed was about 160, and, and that felt pretty quick to me. So um, I've, I generally found, you know, the, the tighter stuff in the forest, um, putting the car in the right place, um, you know, getting your gear shifts appropriate and, and keep it, keeping in a good power range and flowing between the corners and that was really what the instructors sort of tried to get off to um, you know get over to me is you know there's boy racer driving where you just accelerate hard you know out of the corner and make a whole lot of noise but then there's flowing between the corners and um, really sustaining your speed which sort of is a similar um, similar to my other sporting codes and I guess in rowing and cycling you have a similar similar philosophy of being efficient and um, trying to maintain your speed and be smooth and all that. So that was, I think, uh, where I got to, and I, I really was disappointed on the second day. Um, I had a great last stage on Saturday, 
picked off a fair few drivers in my class um, on the last stage and was looking forward to the next day. Um, had a similar result in the first stage on day two, but then obviously had gearbox troubles. But um, yeah, I was genuinely disappointed. I get, didn't get to, I guess, take my skills yeah. further and see if I could you know, eke out some speed but still maintain in the bounds of my ability. Oh, I see. You've just answered the question in full that I was going to ask you about uh, easier being an elite athlete, putting yourself into the into the seat and, and yeah, doing something completely answer. different. But, mate, you sound like you had yeah. fun. If they asked you again, will you go again? I would. I would. I definitely would. I think I, awesome. I, I genuinely did enjoy it. And just, the, yeah, the skill, the sense, yeah, it's, it's great. As much as it's fun going fast, to me, like I said, it was more about, you know, putting the car in the right place and having a sense of control and, um, yeah, really getting that sense of flow where you're, you know, what does Mr. Miyagi say? Do or like don't think, just off. do. <laughs> yeah, oh. we said that too. And I guess they'll probably need to do that after I was in the car. But, um, the, yeah, I think just about, you know, acting and not, not thinking. And, and that's where I was sort of getting yeah. And I'm sure Greg could. Um, you know, understand that where you you just do it. You don't, totally, you don't think about what you're doing. You just know what you're doing. Hamish, I, the way you've yeah, been speaking about it, uh, well, I, I think you awesome. should definitely give it another nudge. Thanks for sharing mm-hmm. the time. Uh, thanks for being part of the motorsport world because uh, you sound like you've picked it up and you actually do want to do it again. So we're just going to keep an eye on you, all right, in case you pop up somewhere without telling us. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm realistic. I'm, I ain't getting to the top of another sport, but it's a great experience and um, yeah, a great challenge. And it's nice not to have to provide my own horsepower for once. Mate, mate, knowing how <laughs> knowing how knowing how big your your ticker is, uh, you could you could conquer anything. Hamish, thanks so much for giving us your time, and well done, mate. Cheers, thanks, guys. Hamish Bond, you there you, you go. Didn't finish, mate. You know, because you know the question I was going to ask him, right, Murph? Yeah, yeah, sure. Which, which was, Murph said I couldn't do it, and you said to me last week, well, Stephen, have a think about this. Uh, he's mm-hmm. an elite athlete, reaction times, understanding, concentration, and that answer was top shelf. Did you, yeah, well, what, it's sort of he, he, he put it into a context from that elite athlete perspective, didn't he? And, it's, um, oh, you know, I wasn't having a go at you. Go no, at you, I understand, but, I mean, it, it's it, it does still have that that um, that mental um, side of it, uh, that application, and uh, the ability to you know to be able to understand what is going on, and how to actually extract that or position that correctly from you know and, and utilize that other learning to apply it. And it's it's um it was that was really interesting just to listen to him there talking about that and um you know the the genuine enjoyment and and then. That that competitive side of him, obviously wanting to do better and and improve, and now he's got that little taste, and and that you know, and adrenaline is one of those things that you you know, you know that he has uh, felt running through his veins on how oh, many occasions. Gosh, you know what um, you know what you know, and so and it came and, and you could just sense it, you know, that he he started to to compile. You know, the, a few bits and pieces which which might start to make sense, and it's it's that uh, it was cool. That was really cool. Well, well he he has known along with Eric uh, as having one of the the biggest motors when he was rowing. Yeah. He understands yeah. pain, right? But when he started yeah, yeah. when he started breaking it down, I'm going, 
Oh my gosh, he is he is smart. Speaking of breaking it down, we did. You know, on speed last night, I, I said it was um, Patton's fifth rally win. It was actually fifth in a row. He's won it nine times, Hayden Patton. Nine times he's won oh. Rally Otago. Ben Hunt was second in the new Skoda run a whore in third. Uh, Emma was fifth, which was pretty. Oh, Robbie Fanger, Stokes was fourth. Robbie Stokes was Fanger Dan. Get this, eighth in his first hit out in the classic in rally his class. in his class. Yeah, yeah. but how, how cool was that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we'll need to catch up with him and get a get a a post match report uh, from him because his excitement last week <laughs> when we were talking to him about the event was um, was just you know made you, put a smile on your face. So uh, from he got three got through the event. There'll be some some great stories from him um, of his uh, escapades there yeah. at Otago on the weekend. So I look forward to hearing yeah. what he has to say. I still remember his uh, taking his dad, as you were saying, what, you're suddenly taking people on the drivers? You're, the dr- you're a rally driver? And his dad looked at him afterwards and said, you're bloody mad. You are listening to Repco Race Control. Repco celebrating 100 years. It's 9.16 with McIver and Murph. We'd like you know, to tell us what your favourite sporting moment of the week was, motorsport moment of the week was, 0800 That's 0800 And before 9 o'clock, because we're only here till 10 tonight, uh, we'll give away that Repco bucket seat and they're pretty cool the Repco bucket there's the, there's the hint as to what it might look like the Repco bucket seat 0800 150 stick it right here, coming next we're, we're going to yak about the supercars weekend in Melbourne 9.21 on a Wednesday evening. Bit of a change for us tonight. Hope you're still with us. We want you to be a winner as well and walk away with that Repco bucket seat. Tell us what your favourite motorsport moment of the week was. And before 10 o'clock this evening, you could be a winner, winner, chicken dinner. You know the number. Call us. 0800 It was a four-race weekend at Grand Prix Week in Melbourne, the Melbourne 400 for as far as supercars was concerned. And at the end of it, Shane Van Gisbergen still has a very healthy lead in the Drivers' Championship, 803 points from Anton Di Pasquale and Chaz Mostert. But Murph, it was just uh, Shane Van Gisbergen and the Chaz Mostert show at the weekend. Uh, and I suppose when you talk about motorsport moments of the week, you could even throw in Shane Van Gisbergen coming from 23rd or 25th it was to podium Oh definitely, I think there's a, a lot of motorsport fans uh, on the weekend that would um, look at that one, that drive by SVG and go that uh, is top of the pops because it was um, it was amazing it was it was another Shane Van Gisbergen moment that will be added to the uh, halls of time and, and uh, be remembered because it was it was it's not something many people can do, and it's not something that many people have done. I mean, he, he is a standout for doing extraordinary things like that. We have already said on Sky Speed that he's a level above everybody else, and we are seeing that yet in the last race of the weekend when he flat-spotted. And I think you have more inside information of why he flat-spotted, and then the tyre explodes. It wasn't the perfect weekend for him. No, it wasn't perfect. I mean, obviously, he did that that drive from the back of the grid. So, uh, you know, qualifying for that first race uh, went uh, a little awry after a red flag came out when he was preparing to do a lap. So, you know, but anyway, it didn't seem to worry him. And it's probably that the type of circuit really that that does allow those kinds of things uh, and recoveries because of the the long flowing nature of it and and his ability to look after tyres. But you're right in the last race, looking after tyres. Um, he uh, was unable to do that after having a lockup going um, on after that long, big uh, new modified stretch mm, that's of cool, isn't it? over the back. 
It is very fast, very cool. Um, looks good in the Formula One car. Uh, you know, he, he came in there behind Chaz Mostert putting pressure on and the left front locked up. Now, uh, just a, a quick exchange with him after the race. Sort of, I, I asked him if it was a mistake or it was something else and he did come back and confirmed that um, there was a technical issue by the sounds of it with the car. And they have a bunch of lights that sit above um, the steering wheel there that um, indicate when uh, a front wheel starts to slow down in reference to the other front wheel, which is usually the unloaded wheel. And, and it gives them some lights to show that it might be starting to slow or lock, uh, which then allows them to you know, change the braking uh, pressure. To, to stop that from happening and it sounds like that maybe that didn't work for him or they had uh, stopped working and some sort of failure in that area probably a wheel, something to do with the wheel speed sensor or something so um, so he was unable to, to actually uh, judge it and, and use that piece of tech and uh, by, the, by the time he realised the wheel was locked it was a long way into uh, into the corner so um, you know I think that's probably what happened because we just do not see mistakes like that from him and we hadn't seen one all weekend so it was a little bit of a surprise Chaz Mossett celebrated his 30th birthday with uh, uh, bagging two wins and just mm. look, looked good, but no one was talking about the wins. They were talking about his clash with uh, Courtney. Yeah, how good. So, <laughs> you, you love know, that, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I was just reading an article about it. And yeah, it wasn't, I don't, I, you know, I don't, Chaz is not a filthy, dirty driver. I don't know if any, really there anyone is out there actually in the field. And, um, you know, it was a moment where he did get pushed wide and he wasn't apologetic and he still isn't apologetic about it. And, he, and um, you know, uh, he he says that, um, you know, I can't disappear. I'm here to race and, and there's a trophy on the line and the champagne. So, you know, he, he obviously, I think, probably got a little bit frustrated, tried to actually come back down the inside of James uh, into that last corner. It didn't quite work out and he, he made a bit of a mess of it. But um, he wasn't apologetic for it because it was like, well, you know, you pushed me off the track, so I'm just trying to go back at you. And that's what happens sometimes. And it was it's actually a good lesson because you see a lot of stuff like that going on where drivers, you know, um, take the punt, you know, run someone wide, push them off um, off the road and exit and, and expect nothing else to happen. And, and sometimes, you know, um, you know, you do something which actually ends up coming back at you straight away. So you take that risk. If you're going to take that risk to maybe run someone wide, push them off the track, then don't complain if it doesn't work out the way you hope. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I, like, I like that uh, attitude from Chaz, and he's, he's taking it on the chin, and, but he's also going pretty fast at the moment. So he'll recover. It did cost him some points and probably cost him, right, the, the Larry Perkins trophy at the end of the day, which is the... Uh, the overall round winner. We don't have round winners in supercars anymore. It's just every race. But at the Grand Prix, they do actually focus on p- providing a trophy for the person who gains the most points over the four races. So he prob- that probably cost him that trophy, I'd say. And SVG was very excited about receiving it from uh, Larry Perkins himself. Actually, yeah. Speaking of which, uh, about SVG, he's pulled out of this Bathurst 6R, tested positive mm. for COVID. And I, I noted uh, on young Marco Giltrap, if you remember us talking about Marco having a win a couple of weeks back, in yep. Kopo in uh, 286. Marco was over uh, the Norwell complex with SVG at the weekend, tuning up in the 86 for some more skills. So I hope poor Marco hasn't come home with the vid. Uh, what he well, he be wouldn't have been there on the weekend because he wouldn't be there on the weekend because he was racing, but he might have caught up with him maybe on the ah, Monday. Ah, right. Yeah. Okay. So he's hoping. Um, but, he, but Marco was there over, uh, yeah, at some stage doing that. And, and at the, yeah, the Paul Morris Driving School there, which is um, renowned, absolutely renowned now for, you know, all these young guys uh, getting those skills. I mean, um, young Brock Feeney was, a, was an absolute 
a student of uh, that school and, and Paul Morris and, and uh, is now obviously full-time with SVG's as a teammate and there's a bunch of other guys. Rebecca Sticky almost lives there as well. Um, uh, Anton Di Pasquale, all these guys go there for uh, to wind each other up and actually uh, push their uh, push the boundaries and, and learn the skills. So it's a good spot. We have to talk about DJR because uh, they were... Well, they they had a, a week a, a weekend of two halves. Their second half yeah. of their weekend was better. They they're still only it's not and, and, and in the teams championship. They're not that far behind, right? So they're keeping their teams yeah. championship alive. But something doesn't seem right. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because Scott McLaughlin isn't there for the second year in a row, and it, and they don't mm-hmm. seem to have that. They don't seem to have that. Bada boom, bada bing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, they, did, they definitely don't have a Scott McLaughlin at the moment. I think Anton Di Pasquale has got um, got the makings of of uh, going a long way towards that. But but yeah, you just some, some decisions on the weekend just weren't. Um, you mean really the tie, the tie decisions? Start, yeah, well, it all started right at the beginning there, didn't it? With um, with you know that first race when they both. Uh, were running at the start of that first race because it was a, a dual tyre weekend. So the, the hard tyre and the soft tyre needed to be used in each race. And it was your choice how you went about uh, strategizing uh, during the four races, how you did that. Um, they started the first race on, on the hard tyre. Um, no one really knew, uh, other than a couple that had spent a bit of time and a bit of effort working out the soft tyre in practice, no one really knew how long it was going to last. And um, a couple of guys, I think Chaz was a car that was ahead of the two DJR cars in that first race, and he was running on the soft. And, you know, only a couple of laps into the, that first race, you know, it was pretty pretty easy to see the performance of both both the tyres. And the soft tyre was not running away from the hard tyre at all. And yet DJR chose to bring both their drivers in very early, um, lap five or six or whatever, into the pit, um, uh, to do their tyre stop to put the soft on. And um, subsequently, you know, their race fell apart. I mean, they both ended up having to do uh, another stop, so they were way down the back at the end of all that. And I just think that, I, that was a real fatal error by them. They didn't read the race very well. And someone like Ludo Lacroix, who's um, engineering Anton Di Pasquale and, you know, obviously engineered Scott McLaughlin the three championships, I really would have thought he um, would have uh, been able to have a bit more crystal ball on what was going to happen there, especially considering there was cars on the soft tyre that weren't um, showing speed on them. So that was that was the beginning of it. And then they, um, you know, they did recover and had some good results, but um, they couldn't get a win. Um, but, you know, they, they they were a bit up and down. And for a team that's trying to win championships and uh, and, can, and their own team's championship as well, they, they're going to have to put it together a little bit better than that. But, you know, uh, you mentioned in Sky Speed that Shane Van Gisbergen had used a bit of a Ricky Bobby uh, <laughs> sort of line on, you know, when he was asked about... You know, do you feel sorry for Will Davison not winning a race? You know, and um, and Shane said, "Well, if I let him win, or if he wins, then that means I can't win." And that's a fact. That's actually true. It is. That's the... actually true. If you let someone else win, or if you want, if you want to feel sorry for someone, let them have a win. That means you can't win. That's oh, true. It is. And, and as you said last night on Speed Man. What are the what? Why would you ask Shane that question? Because you know I mean, he's going to throw that out. Because yeah. he he is the ultimate. Well, it was a good answer. It was a it wasn't great answer. answer. So that was worth asking. I, I yeah, think yeah, I. Yeah. You know what? I, I'll yeah. put money on it right here and now. 
Shane Van Gisbergen is so far inside Will Davison's head, he will make him cry <laughs> one day. He will make him cry. Oh, that's, that's not very nice. That's no. not very nice. But I, I, I think he's. I think it's. It, it, forget his head. He's just. He's just got. He's just got all the things. All oh, the pieces yeah. of the puzzle are all fitting beautifully, and he knows where they all are. There's not one piece missing somewhere, you know. Then and everybody else. Every other driver and team in that category has got a couple of pieces of the puzzle not in place, and he's the only one that's got them all. Then they're they're in Perth on the April the end of the month, April thirty through May one at Wanneroo. It's the Bunnings Trade Perth Supernight. Just that's going to be awesome. Yeah, tell me about that track. It's going to be an- great to be back. Great to be back in Perth. I mean, it's been they've been uh, neglected like Pukekohe has, and we have over here for the last couple of years. So. Um, that's going to be awesome to get Supercars back to WA. Uh, little track, small track, a um, little bit like the, well, not the same, but similar kind of way you've got to approach it as uh, uh, down in uh, Tasmania mm-hmm. at uh, Gallo. Um, it's, re- it's over so quick. Um, they resurfaced a couple of years ago. I don't know what it'll be, kind of condition will be now, but it was so fast. And um, just, it, I love that racetrack over there. It's really good. It's, a, it's an adventure going over to Perth to, to race there and, and uh, the fans over there love their supercars. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed that all goes well. All righty. That's uh, our wrap-up of uh, supercars. Coming next, we're going to go open wheel. That's right, Formula E, Formula One, and IndyCar. And if you want to win that Repco bucket seat, tell us what your favourite motorsport moment of the week was on 0800 Stephen, um, no, I mean, how could, how could Mitch Evans double in Formula E? even though it's Formula Air, how could that not be something that is a moment of the weekend? Well, let's talk about that in just a moment here Jack on SENZ. He had one point coming into this weekend, but it's a double win for Mitch Evans in Rome. Rob Roscoe's. And yes, you've done it again! Yes! Well done! Well done! Mitch Evans does the double in Rome. It's the third time he has won in Rome. So hanging out there is good for Mitch Evans. So as you heard the commentators say in the Formula E, in his Jaguar, he started with one point. He ended the weekend with 51 and now sits nine points off the lead in fourth position. Such is how that very competitive series wins goes. But you know what, Murph, the one thing that stood out to me, he was driving a jet that weekend. Well, he was driving a Jaguar, actually. A Jaguar jet. Okay, fine. Uh, he was in control, wasn't he? Oh. Um, didn't didn't get it together. Well, and don't know all the detail. Quite in qualifying, he didn't actually lead from the front and just you know walk away from it. He actually had to fight through to the front. But it looked effortless, really, in both races. How easily it looked that he got to the front. His teammate Sam Bird was um, sort of amongst all sorts of carnage, including uh, taking out uh, our Nick Cassidy towards the end of the of round five, which was uh, rather disappointing for Nick after showing some really good speed and having a bit of an average weekend all up. Um, but uh, Mitch was just clean, 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 timed his attack modes to perfection, utilised them beautifully, and um, really didn't look like he'd done... Um, any work at all when he got out of the car. That last one was the big play, though, leaving your attack mode to the very... They they sort of rolled the dice on that, didn't they? Because if they'd left their attack mode too late and there wasn't enough time, they would have been penalised by 30 seconds and he would have been nowhere. Yeah, but I think they know what they're doing. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I mean, they did try to sensationalise that up, I think, the, the commentators, and it was something that they were 
using to uh, to try and uh, g up some excitement with it all, and I don't think they needed to. I mean, uh, well, when I say they know they you know they know what they're doing, we we do see uh, very very experienced race teams make uh, some very basic mistakes, but in this case they didn't do that, um, and it worked in- incredibly well. He just uh, he just he looked like a like a man in control, which was bloody awesome, and that comes off the back of him being home back in New Zealand after was it two years? Yeah. Um, the COVID situation uh, back home and and seeing family and friends, and he looked so relaxed in there and sounded relaxed and was just a great chat when he was back here uh, for us to uh, have a have a have a uh, talk to him about what he's been up to and, and bits and pieces. He was just in, in a really good space and headed back over there and and uh, that uh, that mental space. Uh, worked a treat and he just uh, looked unstoppable. He celebrated well. He posted he was watching Novak Djokovic play at the Monte Carlo Open and of course uh, his mum and dad are over there sending all sorts of pictures back on uh, the Facebook page. Uh, A bit of uh, Formula E news uh, just in the last 24, 48 hours. Mm. Nissan have finally bought out EDAMs from the family that used to own it. But the other interesting one is Maserati are coming in next season with a Gen 3 car and go to power the Venturi racing team. So Maserati uh, going into Formula E. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> Said with such love and passion. Let's move on. Formula One. Uh, it was so good to see record crowds back at Melbourne. And I mean record crowds, over 400,000 people over the weekend. And, mm. when, and when the race finished, it was, you know what, Murph? It looked just like another Grand Prix that we're used to without having any COVID, that everybody was flooding the track, and it was so cool. But i gotta, I got to say, um, interesting way. I mean, interesting race in the sense that Leclerc, once he got there, looked unstoppable. But the big talking point, Verstappen's car breaking down. And they're already saying, after this early part, after the early part of the season, it's a 23-race season, is his title charge uh, starting to look scuppered? <laughs> well, it it uh, creates talking points, doesn't it? To start to that kind of talk, it's like um, you know talking about drivers uh, moving um, before the season's even got underway, and they they are doing that in other championships. Not so much, uh, not so sure about this one currently. But you, mate, I was actually just looking at the points, and I didn't realise because I didn't see that at the end of the Oz GP after I watched it. But Charles Leclerc. He's got 71 points. Yeah. George Russell is second on 37. I mean, he has got a monstrous, monstrous lead in this championship so early on. Two firsts and a second for Charles Clear, looking very smooth, very controlled. Um, Carlos Sainz had a shocker, got no points on the weekend. Um, that we- wheel issues, apparently steering wheel issues in the, in the post-wash-up. Uh, steering wheel issues. Don't know what the issues were, but... They just said steering wheel issues. Steering so wheel we'll, issues. We'll take that mm-hmm. one. And, and Lewis Hamilton. Well, they are. Mm. They are. A, they are a fairly serious uh, bit of uh, kit these days. These steering wheels. So you might have had a technical issue there with those uh, for sure. Um, I mean, the other big talking point really um, around the Grand Prix, and, and probably the most significant talking point is, is that Lewis has no plans to remove his jewellery <laughs> despite F1 clampdown. I mean, that is. That, why are they clamping down, Murph? Why the hell are they clamping down on it anyway? Mate, Come on. I tell you what. That I nose what, ring that you um, used to have, that you wouldn't have taken that off. But it gave but it gave it gave Toto Wolf an opportunity to have one more dig at Michael Matthews. Oh, that was outstanding. That was that, and it was that but but is that jewellery ban a battle he needs to have at this stage, which was uh, <laughs> pointed at the current race director. 
However, if it turns out to be the biggest unfortunate misstep of a race director, I would take it a thousand times over. Now, who do you think that's uh, directed at? <laughs> so, uh, anything for Toto to get in and have a dig? What a it's, it's petty. It doesn't sound. See, that, that disappoints me because I, I don't think very, very yeah. petty. Hey, look, actually, there is a bigger talking point out of all of this, Murph. Alex Albon running fifty-seven laps on one set of tyres. Yeah. On the yeah. new, on the new yeah, that hard. Was, uh, that was a, that was uh, well done. That was a, a very very well orchestrated Williams team there, and 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 wonderfully done by uh, Alex Albon to actually maintain a pace and uh, get the job done. So stopped on the last lap, changed the tyres. You've got to run two sets of two uh, alternate sets of compounds, and he did that, uh, complied with it, and ended up getting the last point. Um, in the Grand Prix, so uh, that was that was very very good on on his part. So interesting. I mean, it wasn't the most you know exciting Grand Prix, but the cars definitely are following closer in many respects of it. Um, there was there was some good battles actually. I, I did enjoy some of the battles that were out there and what was going on. Um, you know, is Melbourne uh, delivering the best racing possible as a racetrack? I don't know if it ever has, to be honest. There's probably examples where it has, but mate, I'm I'm still intrigued and excited about weird things are going to go with Formula One. It's great to see Ferrari back up the front. It's great seeing Mercedes having to work very, very hard to get back um, into, a, into a controlling or, or position where they are, um, you know, super competitive. Uh, McLaren showed some form, still not as good as they need to be. Um, so overall, yeah, um, pretty interesting old weekend of Formula One. Can't wait for the next one. I can't wait for the announcement. Well, I can't wait. I, I, I can't because I'm waiting for the announcement that Porsche back in as an engine supplier, but it's 2026, I know, but and and maybe uh, VW That's as well. A long time to wait. Oh, but it's just That's exciting because it means it's working. Wow, it yeah, means it's working. Yeah. What is working? But take too long. But this is the problem, though, right? These things take too long because it's too highly technical. It's way, way, way too technical, and therefore it takes so much and so much money for these these to come these people to come in these companies to come in. So. You know that's that's where I sort of lose a bit of interest. Oh come on! Okay, okay. You don't you don't lose any interest with uh, IndyCar because the ratings are working a treat. The Long Beach Grand Prix was up thirteen percent for NBC and its uh, streaming partner Peacock, uh, and bigger mm. crowds were back like pre-COVID. And let's just say one word. Penske are owning the season after three races. They've won every race. New Garden, two of them, including Long Beach, and of course Scott McLaughlin at one of them. Uh, and as you have said before, the Chevy looks good, and that was that was a heck of a race. That, and probably another missed opportunity, maybe for Scotty McLaughlin. Yeah, that was, and I um, I said on Sky Speed that I sort of thought that the alternate strategy. Uh, starting on the black tyres, whereas uh, most of the, the front runners all started on the reds. You know, it just didn't. I wasn't sure if that was the right one, and they were on the back foot from, to start. But he did correct me um, after we had a little uh, text exchange, and, and he actually said, "No, it was it was actually working all right." And and what you know, the race probably didn't really follow it. Well, wasn't able to whatever just to actually see what was playing out because I don't know if the focus was on him enough. But you know, through the first exchanges of pit stops and stuff, he was actually going along pretty well, um, better than probably what I'd actually seen or realised at the time. But obviously, clipping that wall, uh, the last corner, just uh, he just said that the reds turned in and the grip level on a new red was so much more than what he had on the blacks that it just caught him out. It actually turned in harder and sharper than he anticipated. And he was behind a lap car at, the, at that time. 
Um, and it just just made a tiny little mistake and clipped the wall and, and obviously spun the car around and cost him a heap of time. So so he was pretty happy with his speed. He really thought he had Colton Herter sort of like uh, speed in that car and, <laughs> and was, was very confident. Oh, so so just, you know, little mistake, little mistake for Scotty, but you watch him bounce back at Barber in a, in a few weeks' time. You watch him you, bounce back. You, uh, did you, did I, have you not said to me that Barber is the one track that you would love to race or have raced? No. No, I haven't. I'd like to go there. It's not not the top top of my list. Uh, actually, road it, road it, road Atlanta. Uh, no, sorry, road America, road America, road uh, right, America, okay. road America. It's in Wisconsin. It is just the most sublime, beautiful racetrack. So huge, long, very fast, and flying. But uh, but Barber's cool. Uh, Barber is a, is a cool racetrack, and and the Indy cars look good around there too. So and, you know, back to um, a, a road course, which is a permanent racetrack. <laughs> uh, next time around, so looking forward to that one. Yep. And then they, uh, well, they off to Indy for the road course first. So the road course is at Indy, and then into the month of May. So, um, you know, so much to look forward to with uh, with IndyCar in the next uh, few weeks. Yep, and Alabama, of course, will, is May the first. That'll be live on Sky. And don't forget, of course, is uh, the likes of our mate Billy Fraser and the Kiwis that are running around in the USF two thousand. Hunter McElroy. Hunter, Hunter McElroy Hunter. Uh, will be Hunter. racing in that as well. Lots to look forward to. All right, we're going to switch from four wheels to two in just a moment. If you want to win that Repco bucket seat, oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. That's oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. And tell What's your motorsport moment of the week on SENZ? Where has the time gone? It's 9.53. We've only got three minutes Very left far. in the show. All right. Uh, two, no, no. two wheels dominated by the letter B, Bastianini and Bautista. Bastianini, first of all, Murph and MotoGP at Cota. Beautiful ride. Uh, Jack Miller did very, very well out the front for, I think it was 18 of the 20 laps on his uh, factory Ducati. But it was uh, Bassanini on the Grassini Racing uh, yeah. uh, GP21 year old motorcycle, probably the bike that Jack was riding last year. Um, just managed to slip on through there with a couple laps to go and just beautifully controlled it to the end. And then on the last, I think it was the second to last corner of the race, Alex Rin snuck up the inside of Jack to push him back one spot. But uh, again, enthralling. Uh, talking about people coming from the back of the grid, yeah, Mark Marquez didn't qualify at the back but had a problem at the start. Uh, someone suggested that he actually stuck on the pit limiter, maybe, which caused him to go all the way to the back. He rode his uh, his Honda, Repsol Honda, all the way up to six, and that was uh, one hell of a ride for a guy that uh, has just come back after knocking his head and seeing double of everything. So um, superb stuff in MotoGP. Let's talk about uh, riding 21 bikes, defending World Superbike Champion, top rep Radzak Yoglu has actually said, suggested he's going to ride the 21 version of his bike at Assen, which is the next round, because uh-huh. he feels it's better. The new electronics update on his 2022 bike is good, but only for certain tracks. So he thinks it's going to be mm. better this weekend. But uh, Ray uh, wins race one, then Bautista wins both uh, Ray, the Super Bowl and race two. The Dukes, man. It's all about the Dukes, baby. Well, yeah, but uh, Aragon has got um, the need for some horsepower because it's got that massive 1.2-kilometre back straight. So that uh, that does give the uh, Ducati a little bit of an edge there overall lap time. But he had to fight for it, Bautista, and he was so excited. He reckons he loves the bike. I can't do his accent. I'm not going to try, but he What, he you try the other accent? You try he loves other. it. Um, and so I'm excited about what's going to happen in 
super bikes. That's an early early days. Uh, Bautista fifty seven points. Ray's only three behind. And top rack after two thirds, uh, three thirds um, is on thirty nine. But um, let's not get carried away on on where that's all going to go. And you're spending two weeks uh, the Easter weekend on two wheels as well, right? Going to get the dirt bike out, the old KTM dirt bike out. Uh, getting the, getting it out, uh, going boom bustering uh, this weekend uh, near Toport. Cannot wait to hit the dirt and, um, yeah, rip it up, my son. All right, be safe. I am going out to Hampton Downs on Friday, Good Friday, uh, to launch D1NZ because I've got to get my drift on again. So uh, your drift on. I'm going to get my drift on. Happy, happy Easter, mate. Be safe. Don't Mouth fall off. Mouth rubber. Smell some okay, rubber. Right. Talk to you next week. That was Repco Race Control. Right. Repco celebrates Thanks. 100 Thanks, years. Thanks, Sanjay. Always doing the job, looking after the boys. Catch you next time around. Yeah, bye.